Hey, Traders Point family, I hope you've had a great week. You know, it's hard to believe that fall is right around the corner. And with that in mind, I just wanna encourage you with a couple of things. I'd love for you to jump in and serve somewhere around here on the weekends and somewhere during the week. You know, our spiritual growth is oftentimes connected when we develop a heart to serve other people just like Jesus did. I also know that here in the coming weeks, we're gonna have more and more people returning to in-person services because school's gonna start up, people are getting back into their routines, people are moving and relocating to Indianapolis, and we want them to have a great experience and I want you to be a part of it. So to find all the ways that you can serve, text the word SERVE to 87221. Well, I have been really excited to introduce our next guest in our summer message series for quite a while now. Mike Bro is the teaching pastor at six different churches across the country. He's also a well-known author and communicator. He and his wife, Debbie, have three grown children and nine grandkids. They live in Ventura, California. You know, I first heard about Mike Bro when I was a college student. Uh, he came on campus and spoke at uh, one of the events, and I was immediately taken by his communication style and his love for Jesus. And ever since then, Mike has mentored me uh, both at a distance and up close. Uh, he often is uh, just such an encourager, speaks such words of wisdom into my life, and he is a phenomenal communicator. He's so good that I've invited him to be here the next three weekends in a row, and you're gonna love him. So at all of our campuses, would you please put your hands together and give a warm Traders Point welcome to our friend, Mike Bro. Man, it's so great to be with y'all. My name is uh, Mike, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm so honored to get to hang out with y'all. Y'all stuck with me for three weeks, sorry. Uh, but I get, I get the privilege of being here. I've heard so much about Traders Point. Never been here, but uh, known a lot about it through the years. We've got some uh, former staff members here that grew up in our ministry uh, down in Kentucky. And so I've always known a lot about Traders, and Aaron's such a great guy. And actually, Aaron is staying at my house today in Ventura, California, while I'm here. Uh, so I'm uh, glad, glad that we could share that with he and his son, and he's preaching at Mission Church, the church our kids started about 10 years ago, so excited for them to get to hear Aaron today. But uh, th thanks for welcoming me for uh, three weeks in a row, and, and uh, I'm, I'm super excited about get, getting to do this. Um, so I thought since we're going to be here for three weeks, I do a series called The, the Big Three. It's super creative. Uh, and when you, hear, when you hear the word big three, I'm not talking about that, like the three little pigs. I'm not talking about Alvin and the chipmunks. I'm talking about the Jonas Brothers. I'm not talking about your favorite NBA team that's got their big three on their roster. Uh, I'm not, not even talking about like Peter, James, and John. I'm not talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not, not even talking about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, although it's a given. We're going to be talking about them for three weeks. Uh, the, the, what, where, I'm, where I'm drawing this from is at the end of a chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is known as the love chapter. And even if you're like brand new to church, don't know anything about the Bible, you've probably been to a wedding and heard somebody quote this chapter where love is patient, love is kind, love keeps no record of wrongs, love rejoices with the truth, and on and on and on that love chapter goes. At the very end of the chapter, it says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So I thought we'd spend some time for three weeks unpacking those big three things. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about hope. And if you need some hope, you know some people that need some hope, come next week because we're going to talk all about hope. The third week, we're going to talk about love. But today, I want to kick this off talking about how you and I can walk by faith through every season of our life. 
And to illustrate this, I, I just think it's just my own way my own mind works. I, I see life kind of illustrated by different modes of transportation. I think life is just a different season of transportation modes. Like, for instance, you start out here in this, this baby walker. Anybody got one of these in your house right now, something like this in your house right now? Got kids scooting all over the place. Well, sometimes they have a tray in the middle, and you put, like, Cheerios on the tray or those little puff things or some, you know, or, 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 or what, whatever else you put on the tray for kids, SpaghettiOs. And they're, they're going around. It's your first drive-through experience. It really is. You'll, you'll be driving through the rest of your life, but you start here, and you're going all over the place learning how to walk and eating your food as you go. And then you kind of graduate to one of these. Anybody remember a big wheel? Anybody got a big wheel in their house right now? Yeah, they're so awesome. I, I watched a bunch of little boys the other day in my daughter's cul-de-sac. They're all on big wheels like they're some biker gang. It was, it was awesome. And they're all skidding out around the curves and they were just having a blast on their big wheels. <coughs> and big wheels were pretty awesome. I've got a good friend who, uh, probably the most competitive guy I've ever known in my life, he would enter his kids when they were toddlers in big wheel races in our community. And he would train them. He would put concrete blocks on the back of their big wheel and have them ride up hills so their legs would get strong. And they wiped out every other toddler in the city winning these big wheel races, not, not making that up. It's, it's true. <coughs> then you graduate from the big wheel, you kind of get your your first bike. And, and now they have those, have you seen these strider bikes without the pedals where the kids just kind of do their feet and they learn, they learn how to get their balance. I wish they had that when I was a kid, my dad just pushed me down the hill and said, good luck, you know, and I'm trying to pedal. And, and he had, you know, you get training wheels on, on the bike and stuff. When you get, when you get your bike and the training wheels go off as a kid, isn't that like, feel like freedom and you're riding that bike everywhere you can go. I don't, you remember your first bike? One of my first bikes was, was one of these. It was called a Stingray bike. It had a banana seat, had these big handlebars that came up, looked like a Harley when you're riding this thing. And, and uh, I, I, as a kid, I, I played uh, baseball in Little League and I would uh, collect the baseball cards and I would take baseball cards. Anybody else do this? And I would take these things called clothespins. You ever seen a clothespin? I'd take a wooden clothespin and I would, and I would put the baseball cards on my spokes with these clothespins. So when I would ride around the neighborhood, it was like, sound like I was on a Harley riding this thing. And I had this thing perfected where I would hang my glove over the handlebar going down the park. And I would ride down to the field and I would get off my bike with one leg and have one foot on the pedal. And I had this thing perfected where I could grab my glove in the same motion as I landed. And I'd let the bike just run right into the fence. It was like, that's right, I'm here. A nine-year-old cool, that's what, I, that's, what, that's what it was. But man, when you're a kid and you can ride a bike, it just does, feel like, does feel like freedom. And then you kind of graduate to, to one of these. Uh, I, I don't know what any of you are any, any good at this. I'm sure some of y'all are good at, good at this thing. I, I'd kill myself on this skateboard right here. But I, I chose this as that mode of transportation because that's the season of my life that felt the wobbliest was when I was in between elementary and high school. I was in junior high. You know, junior high just feels wobbly. 
It feels very insecure. You really don't know exactly what's happening. You don't know what's happening to your body. Your voice is changing all the time. And you're four foot ten and your girlfriend's five six. And it's just, I mean, it's just, it's just a crazy season of life. And you're always worried about what people are saying and how you look and all that kind of, it's just, it's just a very insecure season of life. And then you kind of graduate from one of these uh, to your driver's license. And man, doesn't it feel good when you finally get your driver's license? Anybody here recently get their driver's license? Yeah, congratulations to you guys. But it feels so good to pass your test, and you get in that car, man. You get your hands at 10 and 2, and you're doing everything just right, you know. And your parents need some milk at the store. You go, I'll go get it, because you want to get in the car, and you want to drive everywhere, right? And then, then uh, things start changing. Yeah, I, I, I remember, what, what, what was your first car? Shout out your first car. Yeah, I guarantee, that's, that's nice. I, I guarantee you, you didn't have the same first car that I had. Let me show you a picture of my first car. That was my first car. My dad worked at the post office, and he's kind of an elected kind of guy, and they had one for sale for 250 bucks, and he bought me a mail truck. I drove on the right side of the mail truck. I had a door like this and a cage in the back. I mean, Girls love the mail truck. You know, I was out, I felt so uncool driving this thing around. And then I gradually got a, they gave me their old car. It was a 1970 Pontiac Catalina. It wasn't that nice, uh, but, but man, it was, it was sweet. And you know what was really sweet about it? It had a bench seat. Some of y'all don't know about bench seats. All you know is bucket seats. No, bench seats is where it's at. <laughs> I, I, re I remember, man, I, I, I had this bench seat, and, uh, you know, I, my hands were no longer 10 and 2. I had one hand on the wheel and one hand around my girlfriend. She's sitting right next to me as we cruise around town and stuff. It was, it was so awesome. And uh, then, then, then one day you get married, and she moves way over there, and now you're <laughs> driving. And you, then you get one of these things. You get a, like a minivan. You got, you got stuff everywhere and gummy bears all over the place and old McDonald's french fries on the floor, and you got car seats and kids kicking the back of your seat, and they're going, are we there yet? I mean, just a crazy season of life. And then one day, they're all gone. And you look over, you find yourself driving around with some old woman, some old man going out to eat at 4 o'clock. So you can get home and watch Wheel of Fortune, right? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying, that's just the kind of the way it goes. And then you hit a point in your life where you say, you know what? I will never, ever drive another minivan as long as I live. And so you kind of go through this midlife crisis thing, and you go out and buy one of these. And you get on that thing, and you go, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Get your motor running. Born to be wild, you're riding in the wind that's blowing through your scalp, and, and you think you're something. Your next mode of transportation is this, because you had no business buying one of those when you were 50 years old for the first time. Uh, well, while I'm sitting here, let me just get, get serious for a moment, because I know that some, for some of you, this is your mode of transportation every day. I mean, all the churches I'm a part of, there are so many great people. It takes such a huge effort just to get the church every week. And I just want to say on behalf of the whole Trader Point family at every campus, we see you and we applaud you and we love you. And you're kind of like heroes to us. So I know so many people uh, that, that you know, face physical challenges that just have 
hearts just full of gratitude. It's such great folks. And I, I think of uh, sitting in this chair, I, I think of uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. I don't know if you've ever heard of her or not, but she's an author and she's a, a, a songwriter. Uh, she had a diving accident when she was 16. It left her paralyzed from the neck down. She just turned 70 this year. She's a phenomenal uh, woman. She started a ministry called Johnny and Friends to help people with disabilities. She's just awesome. She paints pictures by holding a brush between her teeth. These pictures are as good as any artist you've ever seen. I mean, it's, she's an incredible person. And I remember reading one of her books. In, in the book, she had a little poem that stuck in my heart. It's been stuck in my heart for a long time now. It's called Johnny's Waltz. And it said, though I spend my mortal lifetime in this chair, I refuse to waste it living in despair. And though others may receive gifts of healing, I believe he has given me a gift beyond compare. For heaven is nearer to me, and at times it is all I can see. Sweet music I hear coming down to my ear, and I know that it's playing for me. For I am Christ's own bride, and I will stand by his side. And he will say, shall we dance? And our endless romance will be worth all the tears that I've cried. Then you kind of... Then you kind of edge toward this season of life. And some of you may be there right now or getting close where things just don't work as well as they used to. You know, it's just like things are falling apart. And uh, I, I love to play basketball. And uh, I was playing not long ago, and there was a loose ball. And I went, somebody needs to pick that up. <laughs> I'm not getting on the floor after that. I mean, it just happens. It just, it just happens in your life. And uh, I, uh, some of you may be in that season right now where you're caring for people, maybe your parents, that are in this season. It happened for me a little sooner than most of my peers. My parents were older when they had me, uh, so I became the primary care caregiver for both of my parents. And I, I'm an only kid, and uh, um, it was a challenging, challenging season. I was leading a growing church. I had kids in almost every one of these seasons right here, teaching one how to drive, going through one, coaching one in basketball in junior high. And it was just, it was just a crazy season of life and trying to parent two parents. And uh, my dad, I told you he was an eclectic character. And uh, my dad was diagnosed bipolar and uh, paranoid schizophrenic. And so he was on meds. And when he was on his meds, he was the most chill, calm, humble, kind guy you've ever met in your life. When he wasn't on his meds, he was out of control, manic. And he decided when he was 82, I'm tired of taking that medicine. I'm going out in a blaze of glory. And I chased him all over town, cleaning up his messes. It was so challenging. I'll never forget the day a buddy of mine called me and said, hey, bro, that's my name, by the way. He goes, hey, bro, uh, uh, I just saw your dad. He passed me on New Circle Road in the city we lived in going 100 miles an hour. Literally, he was going 100 miles an hour. And he'd already had like three or four wrecks and stuff like that. And I said, okay, it's, it's time. And uh, so I went over to the house because I was, I was over there to make sure he started taking his medicine again. And I said, Dad, I, you're going to have to give me your keys. I'm sorry, you just can't drive anymore. You're going to kill somebody. I mean, what if it was one of your grandkids out there and you, you can't do this? He looked at me at the saddest look ever and went, Okay, what am I going to do? I said, I'll come, I'll pick you up. You call me anytime. I'll take you anywhere you need to go. I'll drop whatever I'm doing, and I'll come, I'll come get you. He goes, what are we going to do for food? I said, Dad, I'll take you to the grocery store. We'll get what are we going to do for water? You have water. Just turn Water comes out of the thing. I mean, he was trying to get real dramatic, and he's so sad. Reached in his pocket, took out his keys and put them in my hand. 
And I, I thought I was going to lose it. I mean, this is the guy that taught me how to drive. My dad taught me how to drive, by the way, in a cemetery. I remember he goes, pull in there, Mike, you can't kill nobody. That's where he, that's where he, that's where he taught me to drive. So the guy that taught me how to drive has given me his keys. I got in my truck and drove home, and I was just heartbroken. I got home. I felt so bad. So I called back over the house. I said, Mom, let me talk to Dad. She goes, he's not here. Went, what do you mean he's not there? So he went to the store. I went to the store. My dad had five sets of keys. <laughs> totally, totally just played me in the moment, acted all sad, put him in my hand. As soon as I was gone, he was out the door going 100 miles an hour. So I had to get all the cars, all the keys. I had to sell them all. It was just, it was a challenging time. And at the very same time, uh, my mom was in the advanced stages of Alzheimer's. So it was, a, it was just a very, very difficult season where I just learned to say, God, help me. I'm so grateful I get to do this for them. Give me the strength. Help me bring the joy. Help me bring the fun. Help me to show up and sometimes just go, so what? And just love them. And uh, it was challenging, very challenging. In fact, all these seasons can be challenging. I, I think, in fact, if you look at life, it doesn't always go like this. But I think it kind of be summed up from the walker to the walker and everything in between. So let, let me tell you a couple of things I, I, I've been learning through all this. The first one is this. Life is so short. You, get, you realize that? Gang, all this happens like that. When I, was, when I was talking about riding my bike down the Little League field, it felt like last week. It happens that quick. This goes so, so fast. Uh, life is so short. Uh, we, we live in Ventura, uh, California, and uh, there's a, in the morning, there's like a marine layer that comes out o over the ocean, and it's, it's real foggy till about 9 o'clock, and then all the fog burns off. Almost every day it's like this. Then at 9 o'clock, it's bright and blue and beautiful and sunny the, the rest of the day. But we got this morning fog that rolls in. And I always think of this verse from James chapter 4, verse 14. This is Jesus' brother writing these words. He says, your life is like that morning fog. It's here for just a little while. And then by 9 o'clock, it burns off. It's, it's gone. There, there was an old guy named Moses. You might have heard of him from the Old Testament of the Bible. He's a guy that says, listen, don't blink because it goes fast. He, he prayed this prayer. He said, Lord, teach us to number our days and recognize just how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. And I love the way Solomon approaches this. He wrote a journal in the Old Testament of the Bible called Ecclesiastes where he talked about all of his mistakes and screw-ups and all the things he wished he hadn't have done and things he wished he had have done. And he gets to chapter 12 in Ecclesiastes. He goes, here's my conclusion. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. He just says, hook up with God now. During the bike and skateboard and driver's license years, hook up with God when you're young so you'll get to know him before the days of trouble come and the years approach where you say, oh, I find no pleasure in that. And then he poetically describes aging. He, he says, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. He's talking about how we wrestle with bouts of, of depression and loneliness and even uselessness the older we get. When the keepers of the house tremble, what do you think he's talking about there? When your hands start getting a little, little shaky. And strong men stoop. Your back goes out and you go to the chiropractor all the time. When the grinders cease because there are few, what do you think he's talking about there? Yeah, your teeth start breaking down and, and failing. And those looking through windows 
grow dim. He's talking about those 10 pair reading glasses you have all over the house right now. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, talking about when you're no longer able to go to work or you're able, but the opportunities aren't afforded to you because you're past that age. When men rise up at the sound of birds, the older you get, the earlier and earlier you get up, but all their songs grow faint. You, the birds are chirping early in the morning, but you can't hear them anyway because you can't really hear anymore. When men are afraid of heights, I'm not getting up on that ladder, and dangers in the street, tw- 13 deadbolts on the door and a ring doorbell, and the almond tree blossoms, your hair turns r- white, and the grasshopper drags himself along, that's when you got no hops anymore, and desire is no longer stirred. You can figure that one out. Then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the street. And it all happens in a flash. So he says, connect with your creator now. Connect with your creator, the lover of your soul. Get to know him now so you can spend your whole life experiencing his goodness and his grace and his peace. Because the second thing I've been learning is life is so short But gang, God is so faithful. He is so faithful in all these things. Every one of these seasons are constantly shifting and changing, but Jesus Christ doesn't do that. It says in Hebrews chapter 13, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In a constantly changing world, he is rock solid, never changing, consistent, immovable, faithful, and true. Like we sing around here all the time, he is a promise keeper. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19 says, God is not a human that he should lie. He's not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? That's a rhetorical question. He's saying, of course not. He has a perfect track record of keeping his promises, a claim that none of us, the best of us in this place, can't lay claim to that. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. So walk by faith. Some some of you may be in this season right now, and you've got a house full of this stuff. I mean, it seems like every room is just cluttered with toys and stuffed animals and diapers and all kinds of, you know, gadgets. And I mean, life's just hectic for you right now. Can I just say to you, cherish this time. Man, it goes so fast. I mean, it really does. Now, I, I used to think, you know, that's just something like old people said, that, cherish this time, son, because it goes so fast. Now I think, yeah, just say old people say that stuff. Now that I'm old people, can I say this to you? <laughs> Cherish this time. It goes so fast. It's like, it's like it's just all of a sudden it's just gone. So cherish that time, nourish those kids, put them on your lap and sing to them and cuddle them and hold them and pray over them. Debbie used to always pray over our kids and our grandkids. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you and give you peace every single night. So you just pray that with our kids. Use this time in your life to pour into those kids so they can remember their creator in the days of their youth. And some of you look at stuff like this and it, you say, man, I, I, w- I wish we had a house full of this. That's the desire of our heart, but it's just not happening. And may, maybe, maybe you're like our son, Drew, and his wife and just struggle with infertility and miscarriages and things like that. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. But did you know that God says, I keep all your tears in a bottle? God knows. He cares. And God will, I've seen it happen. God, God will make 
unexpected things happen to fulfill the desires of your heart in some other ways. Just trust him. Walk by faith. He keeps his promises. He is faithful in this season with you. And I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe you are a kid in the room. And I just want to say to every kid, be a kid. Get on that bike and ride like the wind. You know, be a good friend. Be a good teammate. Stand up for the underdog. Just love life. Don't grow up too, qu- too quick. And parents, don't make them grow up too fast. Let them be kids. I mean, just, just let them experience the joy of just being a child. And, and may, maybe you're in this season of your life, you know, when I, when I pop this thing up, you went, man, that's me. Man, it, my life is wobbly right now. And it, maybe, maybe you're in those junior high years right now. Can I just say to you guys, God loves you so much. And don't let a mirror, don't let a scale, don't let a social media post define who you are. Know you are accepted by the one who matters most. The creator of the universe is running around heaven with your picture on his phone going, check out my kid. Isn't she awesome? I love her hair. I love his nose. This kid is the most amazing kid. They have the greatest heart. That's the way God sees you. See yourself the way God sees you. This doesn't last long. You'll get through it. Walk with him through it. Walk by faith. And and maybe, maybe you're in high school now and you got your license and And you're experiencing a little bit of independence, a little bit of freedom. Keep walking with your creator. Just know that everywhere you go, he's riding with you. And not only is he with you, the Bible says he moves in you, so you take him everywhere. Live in the awareness of his presence in your life. When you're at school, when you go to work, when when you go to practice, just know that he's going with you. And maybe, maybe you're a college student, and you're getting ready to pack up a car and head out of here in a week or two. And it's just about put a knot in your stomach and oh, I don't know whether I'm ready for this and just, just know he's going with you. And you just hear him say, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And just know that what you do or where you go is not nearly as important as who you're becoming. So just let him move into your life and shape you so your character is the right kind of person. And someday you'll be the right kind of person in the right place serving his right purposes. Just know that, that he's going to go with you. And, you know, maybe, maybe right now you, you're a parent of one of those students, and it's about to kill you to think of them packing up that car and driving away. I just talked talk to some in between services that are going, yeah, they're leaving in a couple of weeks, and it's hard to watch them drive away. And maybe you had, you know, the privilege this summer of, you know, handing, maybe bringing your daughter down the aisle, or you watched your son, and they got, they got married, and, and they left, and now you're feeling this, ah, empty nest thing. Can, can I tell you something about the empty nest thing? It's a myth. <laughs> they come back <laughs> asking for money, bringing laundry, and then eventually they bring all their ducklings with them. And now you've got a house full all over again with car seats and a minivan again. It, that's just the way it is. Enjoy it. That's the season we're in. And it, it is the funnest season we've ever been in in our life. Just know that God's going to use you. Become that person that becomes a mentor and a coach and a good friend instead of a parental authority figure. Just just give advice, but not unsolicited advice. Just just become a great, great friend, a great sounding board for for those young adults in your life. And instead of, you know, moving into the midlife crisis by a Harley phase. Not saying that everybody buys a Harley is going through a midlife crisis. I'm just using that to illustrate the fact that some guys just don't know what to do. 
You know, they're looking for significance. And so and they're, they're, they're looking for something, some kind of thrill and some adrenaline kind of rush. Just pour your life into serving other people. I'm telling you, if you, if you would live your life, the rest of your life, just serving other people, you would experience an adrenaline rush like you've never experienced in your life. I mean, research shows that the happiest people on the planet are people that throw a towel over their arm and go serve somebody. I'm just telling you, that's, that's the way God designed us. So do that. Instead of seeing your life as like a midlife crisis, see where you're at in your life right now is halftime. Well, what do good teams do at halftime? They come out smoking in the third and fourth quarter, right? In fact, you've seen teams huddle up in the fourth quarter and go four fingers up in the air. Fourth quarter, man. Fourth quarter. Here we go. And that's what I would challenge you to do. Because some of you, honestly, you're in the fourth quarter. I look around and see. You're fourth quarter. Some, some of you are in overtime, just being honest. <laughs> but hey, we're all sudden death, right? Every one of us. So move towards significance in your life and serving other people and be that person just says, you know, for the rest of my life, I just want to pour my life out. I want to serve the way Jesus serves. As you inch closer to this season of your life, you'll know he's been faithful every season, man. It's been a thrill to walk by faith. I think of uh, Fanny Hamilton. This was her mode of transportation. I met her at a church I served in uh, Kentucky, and first time I met her, I didn't know that she worked with our high school ministry. She was 85, and our students loved Fanny. She was so fun and so full of grace and wit and charm and just uh, loved God with all of her heart, and it just flowed out of her. She had a stroke, and it paralyzed the right side of her body, and it would take her a long time to get ready for church, but she was there every week. And I remember being up on stage one time. In fact, I wrote it in the margin of my Bible, so I would never forget it. I was up on stage leading worship, and I look out in the audience, and our high school students were all sitting over here in this section, and Fanny was right in the middle of all of them. And I watched her reach over with her good hand, and pick up her bad arm, just raise it up to God, just singing at the top of her lungs as if to say, God, even in this, I will praise you because you have been so, so faithful to me. You know, there's something that I've noticed most of my life. I, I, I grew up in church, and the uh, church I grew up in, we, we didn't really have the amazing uh, kids ministry stuff that uh, we have here at uh, Traders Point. But so I would sit in what we call big church with my parents. And let's just say most of the time I was uh, less than less than engaged. Um, I, uh, I would doodling. I was making paper airplanes. I was digging for candy in my mom's purse. I was counting the organ pipes in the old church. It was like 173. I still remember that. But there's an old song that I watched people sing. We still sing it once in a while today. It's a song called Great Is Thy Faithfulness. You ever, you ever know the song? It's, a, it's like an amazing grace, how great they are, kind of a classic old hymn. It's based on the words of Lamentations chapter 3 where it says, Great is your faithfulness, morning by morning your mercies are new. You might have heard this song. Now let me tell you something I've observed over the years when people sing that song. If you look around the room when that song is being sung, 
The kids are just like me when I was a kid. They're eating candy, they're picking their nose, they're punching their brother, they're not paying any attention at all. Most teenagers and college-age people will kind of mouth the words to this really unfamiliar, old-sounding kind of hymn. Uh, some young, young adults and some even middle-aged people might sing it with a little bit more feeling and a little bit more meaning. But I'm telling you, if you look at the people who are getting up there later in their years, you'll see something you won't soon forget. One of the things I've noticed this all of my life is when white-haired men and women sing that song, they sing it with passion and intensity. All I have needed, thy hands hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. And the crescendo builds to the end, the chorus. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Some soprano, great is thy faithfulness. Holds the note out, you know. And then, I mean, veins are like bulging out of their neck and they, they collapse breathlessly back in the seat when the song is over. Now, why is it that those who've been walking with God by faith for so many years, can sing that song with so much intensity. Here's why. Because they know God's faithful. They know God's faithful. And I just got to say, those people inspire me. And the reason I'm bringing all this up is because this church is full of hundreds and hundreds of, of young followers or relatively new followers of Jesus. And a whole bunch of you can sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. You can sing it now and go, you know what? The Lord has been so faithful to me over the past six months. The Lord has been so faithful to me over the past three years. The past five years has been amazing. Just wait till you get 45 years of God's faithfulness under your belt. It's going to blow you away. You're going to reflect back on decades worth of storms you've been able to weather with the supernatural assistance of a faithful God. I'm talking 45 years worth of broken relationships put back together through the power of a faithful God. I'm talking 45 years of sobriety and sanity that was made possible by the one who reached down and rescued you. 45 years worth of God providing for your needs when you didn't know where the next paycheck was coming from or the next meal was coming from. 45 years worth of thousands of prayers that have been answered by a faithful God who answers prayer. And someday you're going to be the one with wrinkles on your face and veins bulging out of your neck and your hands in the air singing, great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. In the margin of my Bible, I have a little quote from Brennan Manning. It says this, to trust is to be convinced the reliability of God. To trust is to be absolutely convinced of the reliability of God. Life is so short, but God is so faithful. And gang, he has promised us so much. He has promised us a better place someday. He has promised us a heavenly homeland. He has promised us a city without pandemics and political chaos, no need for masks, no need for testing, no, no hospitals, no vaccines, no, no chemo, a perfect place without any hint of evil, a place where only goodness and love are present, a place where every tongue and tribe and nation will praise Jesus Christ who laid down his life so we could live forever. And until that day, he promises, he promises his presence and his peace. He promises to give us wisdom and direction. He promises to give us his Holy Spirit. He promises for us 
to, to, to make a way for us to escape any temptation. He promises to finish the good inside-out work he started in us. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. He promises, he promises that nothing will be able to separate us from his unfailing love. He promises an inheritance in heaven. He promises that he's coming back someday to make all things new. That's God's promise. You can believe him. He will never lie to you, con you, or cheat you. He won't ghost you, mislead or mistreat you. He won't tell you one thing and do another scheme, coerce, and try to cover his tracks because he's not like that. He's true to his word, never breaks it ever. His yes is his yes through every endeavor. Doesn't have to swear to God to tell the whole truth because he is the whole truth. He won't breach a contract, surprise you with the fine print because in his character, there is not a hint of deceit or malice or shadiness or guile. His word is his bond and not just a while, but forever and ever, he remains the same. The faithful one, name above all names, the promise keeper whose mercies are new every morning, all day long. He's thinking of you, and he calls you to believe in his unshakable love till you see him face to face in heaven above. You can believe him. Walk by faith from the walker to the walker. So here's how I want to wrap this all up at all of our campuses, even, even if you're online. I'm going to ask you, let's, let's all stand up together, and I'm going to lead us in the time of prayer, and then our our team's going to come out, and we're just going to thank God for his faithfulness in our lives. Father, I, uh, I want to start by thanking you personally for your faithfulness in my life. Uh, I look up here, all this stuff on the stage, and I'm flooded with memories of really, really good times and really, really hard times. And good or hard, you've been there right in the middle of all of them. Your presence and your peace are just incredible. I thank you for being a caring father, being an Abba or daddy. I thank you for being all powerful, that you're in control, even when things seem like they're out of control and that you really are working behind the scenes to do some good stuff in our life. Even through suffering, you accomplish good stuff in our character. God, I, I pray for everybody here that's uh, been listening or watching. I, I pray for those that are in that crazy, chaotic, kids everywhere kind of phase. God, I pray that you, they would just see their calling as a high calling from you and just pour their love and their faith into those precious kids. I, I pray for people that are heartbroken. I pray for people that are struggling with disease and disabilities and people that are struggling with relationships ending, relationships struggling. I pray for every student in this place that they would see themselves the way you see them as a much-loved child, a much-loved son, a much-loved daughter. God, I, I pray for those of us that are kind of in that searching for significance years and maybe what we used to do is we no longer do and now we're looking for something fresh and new and, and I pray just serving other people will be enough for us to love you with all of our heart and to love other people the same way. 
Father, I, I thank you for your faithfulness, and we want to worship you today because of that. So, so grateful, and I pray, God, today we just sing with a little extra thank you in our heart. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus and all who agree said, amen.